Welcome to the Anchored Hope Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to join us. Today's series, The Wrong Christmas Story, Part 3, Persevere. We are in a series called The Wrong Christmas Story. And what we've been talking about in this series, was we're talking about how the Israelites knew that Jesus was coming. There were plenty of prophets who were on their way, who were saying that a Savior was coming, a Messiah was on its way. He's going to come and He's going to deliver you. And they had all of these expectations in their mind. They had years, generations, decades to, to think, whoa, what's this Jesus going to be like? I wonder what He's going to be like. I wonder what He's going to do. And they had all these thoughts in their head based on their previous experience with God. And so when Jesus actually came on the scene, they were, they were surprised. Honestly, they didn't think that Jesus was the Savior or the Messiah that they had been waiting for. Some people decided to follow Christ and and put their faith in Him, but others didn't because it just wasn't what they expected. You know, we've been walking through this series and we've been talking about some of the things that they got wrong. It's going to be on the screen. Some of the things that they got wrong is they thought Jesus is coming to defeat our enemies. But they were so wrong. Instead, Jesus actually came to help them forgive their enemies which just dumbfounded them. They had never even heard of anything like this before. And then last week we talked about, well, Jesus must be coming to make us happy, right? And they, Jesus, they found out that's not true at all. Jesus wasn't coming to make them happy. Jesus was actually coming to give them life. Give them life. And Jesus said, I'm coming to give them life to the full. And today I, I want to talk to you about another aspect. I want to talk to you about how they thought Jesus came to end the bad days. Jesus is coming, and the bad days are over. The rainy days are over. From now on, it's all going to be sunshine and rainbows, and everything is going to be all good. But again, they could not have been further from the truth. You know, I, I, I had a, a conversation previously with a friend of mine, and uh, he was talking about, man, yeah, we, we, we tried church, man. We, we went to church and it just, it didn't work for us. And so, you know, as a pastor, I was intrigued because um, they didn't go to our church. They live in St. Charles and they, they tried a different church. And I said, well, tell me, tell me a little bit about that. What do you mean you tried church? And he's like, man, we, we went to church for two months. Two months we went to church, six times. That's, a, that's about right for most people who go to church. Yeah, okay, so you went six times in two months. Yeah, you went to church solid for two months. That's right. Okay, so what, did, what, what happened? Because, man, what just didn't work for us, man. I mean, we started going to church, and, man, all these bad things started to happen to us. I mean, me and my wife, we, we started to fight. And, and then, man, I, I, my father got put in the hospital. And then the car broke down. And then the commode got clogged. And, and then, you know, I started having problems with my boss. And then my kids got, man, we found out they were having trouble in school. And they needed to be put in this special program. And then we had to sign up for this special teacher to help them out. And, man, all these things started going wrong. And I said, hey, okay, well, what do these things have to do with one another? He goes, well, you know, it's like the Bible says, you know, when you go to church and you, you sing the songs and you're a good person and you read your Bible and you pray and, and you give, you know, some of your money, you, you don't have to, yeah, some of your money, and, and, you know, you give it to the church that everything's going to be okay, that you are favored by God. 
that you get blessed by God, that you're, that you're in you know, God's safety, that you're in God's hands. And that's just not what we experienced at all. We experienced the opposite. So I was like, man, this ain't working for me. I can't do this. So we stopped going to church. And I thought a little bit about what he was saying. And I understood what he was saying. Because I grew up a pastor's kid, and I grew up... Being experiencing a lot of different churches, a lot of different pastors, a lot of different revivals, a lot of different things. And I mean, I've heard it myself. I've heard it. I've seen it on the TV. I've seen it on the internet. I've heard it in person. You know, if you would just do this, you would be favored by God. You will be blessed. You will be protected. You will never need. You will never want. You know, all of these things. And that was his preconceived notion. That if you decide to make the decision to follow Christ that it will be the end of the bad days. And man, my friend thought that. A lot of us, we think that. I mean, we, we think to ourselves when we think about the promises of God. Doesn't it say stuff like this? Doesn't it say something like, whomever does the will of my Father shall always get the best parking spot. Isn't that, isn't that what's promised to us as Christians, you know? Or, or, or how about this? How, how about, it, doesn't it say in the Bible, if you lose your life for my sake... Thy shall always look great in thy swimsuit. Doesn't it say, isn't there a verse about that? I think, I think Jesus said that. Maybe it was Paul. I don't know. Or, or maybe this one. Doesn't it say, seek first the kingdom of God and the winning lottery ticket shall seek you as well. Right? I'm praying that for you. I am, really, honestly. Just, just remember that old covenant tithing issue. All right? I mean, you know, we all think these things. We think, why, why is my life going poorly? Why am I in the middle of this season? Why is this going wrong? I, I, did I do something wrong? Is God punishing me? Because I really thought, if I, if I do A, B, and C, that God would bless me. If I do A, B, and C, then God will bless me, and I will be a favored child of God. We, we think that being a Christian puts us in this club, puts us in this club that's above everybody, that's favored more than everybody. But then when we experience something in life, when we experience something like losing our job, when we experience health issues, when we experience infertility, when we experiencing parenting issues, when, we, when we, our, our marriage goes wrong and we end up divorced or we can't find anybody to spend our life with, we think, God, what's wrong? I thought that if I followed you, that if I did A, B, and C, that you would bless me. But is that really what Jesus came to do? The Israelites thought so. And you know what? They got the Christmas story wrong. They got the Christ story wrong. Because Jesus didn't come to end the bad days. Actually, if, if you look at the words and the promises of Jesus, you see quite the opposite. As a matter of fact, Jesus was very forward. Jesus was very upfront about exactly what was going to happen, about what was going to go down. And let me tell you something, it wasn't good news. He was very upfront with him about his crucifixion, about him being arrested, about him being taken. And then he even looked at him and said, and guess what? Many of you will join me. Many of you will be crucified. Many of you will die just like me. 
This is what he says, and John was there. John wrote this down. He, he was one of the only disciples who actually, we know, lived a long, healthy life and actually made it. But all of his brothers and sisters were crucified or died a sinner's death, died on a cross. Uh, some of them even upside down on a cross. And John, he was there when Jesus said these words. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, and he's talking to all these apostles, all these disciples, all these people who have chosen to follow him and put their faith in him. You will weep and mourn. While the world rejoices, you will weep and you will mourn while everybody else is having fun. You will weep and you will mourn while everyone else is having a celebration. But for you, you will weep and you will mourn. Jesus' promise is this you're gonna have bad days. I did not come to end the bad days. Let me tell you something. Specifically as Christians, you're going to have some of the worst days. Because of the perspective I've given you, because of the life I've given you, it's going to get dark. And there will be seasons where you will weep and you will mourn. There are going to be days where you feel defeated there are going to be days where you feel beat up. There are going to be days where you're afraid. There are going to be days where you don't know what's going to happen next. There are days where you're like, I have no clue where things are going and I have no clue what I'm supposed to do. And you will weep and you will mourn. And you and I, we get put in situations like that and we go, why God? Why are you doing this? Why am I going through this? Where, where, where is this coming from? Did I do something wrong? Where did your blessing go? Where did your protection go? We've all been there. We've all been in those situations. And Jesus went on and he says this next. He says, very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. And, and you will grieve. You will grieve. But, but your grief will turn to joy. Something very important that's in here that I think somebody needs to hear this morning. Somebody needs to hear this. You need to write this down. You need to tweet this. You need to Facebook this. You need to text this to somebody because somebody needs to hear this. Jesus says, you, you will grieve. You are going to grieve. And when Jesus tells you you will grieve, Jesus is giving you permission is what he's giving you. And here's what he, you got to understand this. This is so powerful. Here's what he's giving us permission to do. He says, you are free to feel your feelings. Amen. You are free to feel your feelings. Did anybody else grow up in a church? Did anybody else grow up in a home where they told you that it was wrong to feel your feelings? Where they told you that if you were fearful, then you just you must not have enough faith? Where they told you if you were anxious that the Bible says you shouldn't be anxious about anything. What's wrong with you, boy? You need to go to church. Where they told you, don't you feel your feelings? Don't show how you feel. And if you dare go to a counselor, you must be broken. They told you that, didn't they? They told you that you didn't need that medication. All you need is more faith. That's what you really need. Jesus says right here to his disciples, to his closest followers, to his number ones, you will grieve. And that is okay. There's a time for it. There's a season for it. And you need to do it. You are free to feel your feelings. Somebody needs to hear that this morning because that's good news because they've never been given permission to do that. And it's not coming from me. It's coming from Jesus. You are free to feel your feelings. He says it's important that you do. 
It's important that you feel your feelings. There's a time and there's a place for that. And many of us, we go, okay, all right, so there's going to be a time of grief. And then there's going to be a time of joy. So how, how long are we talking, Jesus? Like five minutes or ten minutes? Like how long does this, how long does this grieving period last? Like we talking like a two-week lockdown? Or are we talking like a, you know, like a short quarantine? Like what are we, what are we, what are we talking about here? See, but that's the thing. It's different for everybody, isn't it? Grief, everybody grieves differently. Everybody feels their feelings differently. The disciples, they had no clue what this meant. You will grieve. The world will rejoice. But then your grief will turn to joy. How long? It's going to be different for every single one of you. But you're free to feel your feelings. And a time will come where you are no longer grieving. See, it's not something, it's not a seat on the bus we're supposed to stay on. It's something we're supposed to process. It's something we're supposed to, we're go, supposed to go through. And then as we go through it, it changes. Jesus gives an illustration next, and the next thing he says to him is he says this. He goes, let me give you a little illustration. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is, because the child is born into the world. Now, I've never given birth, but I've been there before. My wife and I, we have two beautiful children, Brayden, who turns four uh, uh, in a week and a half, and my daughter, Olivia, who's six. And I remember when Olivia was born. I remember that day so vividly. I was at home. I didn't have an office at the time, so I was working from home, and I was writing my sermon, and Kate was at work. She works at the Bank of Old Monroe, and she texted me. She said, hey, I'm in the bathroom, and my water just broke. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, okay, uh, do I, do I, okay, uh, so I'll, I'll come, do, do you come to me? Do I come, come to you? Do, do I call an ambulance? Like, what, what, what do I do? She goes, oh, she goes, uh, how do you smell? I say, how do I smell? What do you mean? I'm, I'm a pastor working from home. I'm in my pajamas. I'm in a wife beater and basketball shorts right now. I don't know. She's like, yeah, you should probably take a shower. I said, do I got time for that? She goes, oh, yeah, you got time for that. You need to take a shower. I'm not giving birth with you in basketball shorts and a wife beater. Like, you need to go take a shower. So I, I take a shower, and I'm in there. You know, I won't show you where else I clean, but I cleaned everything, you know. And so then I'm like, I get in the car, and I'm like, fast and furious. I flew in that parking lot. I flew in that parking lot. And Kate was waiting outside, leaning against the wall. He and who, and shh. Trying to smile. Yeah. So she waddled up to the car, and I'm helping her in the car. And then back in Fast and Furious mode. I'm Vin Diesel, and I'm on the way, right? And she goes, hey, hey, can we stop by the house? For what? Why would you want to stop by the house? She goes, I have some things I want to pick up. There's a piece of paper for check-in. Because there's all this paperwork that our birthing coach, teacher, lady, gave us to, like, hand them. You know what I mean? Like, what paperwork do you need to make it clear that you're about to have a baby, you know? And so Kate's like, oh, please, it would just make, help me so much if we just went to the house and we grabbed that piece of paper. So I fly in there. I fly into the driveway. I run inside. I'm like, where is it? And she's like, it's in the kitchen. And so I go, and I grab the piece of paper, fly back in the car. We're back on our way to the hospital at Lake St. Louis. And then all of a sudden she goes, hey, 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 are you hungry? <laughs> Am I hungry? Kinda. And she's like, oh, there's a McDonald's by the hospital. Let's stop and get McDonald's. 
Okay, you want to risk having our baby, our firstborn, in the middle of a McDonald's, all in for the sake of chicken nuggets? No, we're not doing that. But man, was I hungry. So we skipped to McDonald's and we went into the hospital. And we went in there and we gave them that stupid piece of paper that we stopped for. And they go, oh, you don't need this. And they crumbled it up and threw it behind them. So then I'm like, all right, well, fine. Well, let's have this baby. And, the, and the, just like Mary and Joseph, there was no room in the inn. Everybody decided to do something nine months earlier that got them to here in the middle of June. So there was no room. And they said, we're going to have to put you in the ER and you're going to have to wait. We got, another, we got another family in there who's waiting too. So they put us in the ER and there was this curtain. And I kid you not, this is not a pastor story by any means. There was another family right next to us with just a curtain divided. And they were all from Austria. A bunch of Arnold Schwarzeneggers, about seven of them, were on the other side of this thin curtain talking to each other. And I was so interested. I swear, at one point, the dad walked out of the room and he goes, I'll be back. And I was like, no, no, no. No, no, no. And they had like four kids already. They already had four kids. These Arnold Schwarzeneggers were multiplying. And this kid, there's one little one that was about four. There was a curtain between us. He kept pulling back the curtain and look at Kate and I and go, boo. <laughs> boo. And I'm like, no, Jesus, please. Please, Jesus, get us a room. And so they finally got us a room. The Austrian family got to go first. And I was like, all right, see you guys later. And then we got put in a room. And we got in a room. I'm like, all right, here we go, here we go. And they go, uh, can you hold it? Can she hold it? I don't know. Can you hold it, Kate? I'm not very sure if she can hold it. They're like, well, your doctor's not coming yet, so you just need to hold it. I'm like, all right, hold it it is, you know. And then they said, would you like an epidural? And Kate was like, yeah, I want an epidural. And so they brought the epidural guy in. And I'm telling you what, they got that needle epidural thing out. And they, told, they started to explain to her what was going to happen. But I was listening to what was going to happen. And I started to faint. <laughs> and so he's like, all right, this needle is now going into your spine, trying to avoid the bone. And I was like, oh, gosh. And so the nurses came and grabbed me. Kate was by herself at that point. Two nurses grabbed me and sat me on the chair. And they're like, you're looking a little pale, sir. I was like, yeah, I am. Uh, uh, uh. And so I sat down. She got the epidural. The nurse that we had was phenomenal. She's like, forget the doctor. I'm delivering this baby. I was like, you go, girl. And she's like, you grab one hand, I'll grab the other. And I was like, all right, let's do this. And then it started. And I'm telling you what, there were things that happened I had not seen in the movies. I'm telling you what, there were smells and there were fluids and there were noises that I was not prepared for. Oh, my gosh. I was like, what is happening down there? And the nurse looked at me like, get yourself together. And I was like, okay, okay. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. We got this, we got this, we got this, we got this. But whoever wrote The Beauty of Childbirth is an insane psychopath. There was nothing beautiful about it. It was insane. And so anyway, then Olivia came out, and they were like, do you want to cut the cord? I was like, heck no, I'm not screwing this up. I'm going to screw that kid up so much later on. I don't want her having a weird any outy thing hanging out of herself. You cut that thing. So I let them cut it. Everything was good. And then oh, it was done, and it was over, and everything was okay. And then I went to Jimmy John's and got a sandwich. <laughs> Man, 
as you guys can tell, it's hard work for me. It was a big day. It was a lot. But I made it. I did it. <laughs> but you know what? I look back on that, and we'll get to Braden's birth on the, the Christmas community surf. Christmas community service. We'll talk about Braden's birth. Uh, but I look back on that day, and it was chaotic. It was crazy. It was nuts. But man... Once it was over, now I'm so proud of my stinking little girl. Isn't Olivia just awesome? She's just so cool, right? I love that kid, though, man. I mean, it was so great that I signed up to do it a second time. Not a third, just two. That's it. Not a third, not two. All right? But I was, I'm just so proud of her. And see, I look back on that now, and I'm, I mean, it was crazy in the moment, but I, I, I just, it's such a blessing to me. And now out of that big, big story, here's what I want you to take away from that. Here's what I want you to understand, is that what you're going through right now, a lot of times we're in the middle of these things, we think, this is it, this is the end of me, this is terrible. But here's what I want you to understand. This is not the end of you, this is the start of something new in you. This is not the end of you. This is the start of something new in you. And these trials, these tribulations, these troubles... A lot of times in the moment, they're chaotic. But you know what? A story of tragedy and troubles years later can, can be hilarious. Because we look back on them, and although they were hard in the moment, we know what they brought on. We know what was birthed out of them. We know what was developed in us. Being a parent has, believe it or not, matured me. And it has brought something new in me. It's made me grow. It's, it's allowed me to have empathy and grace and mercy for other people in a way that I couldn't have any other way. This is not the end of you. This is some, the birth of something new in you. And then he goes on and he says, so with you, now is your time of grief. This is your time. Let, feel your grief. Feel your feelings. But I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. I will give you something that no one will ever take away from you. And then he tells them something so very important, something that I believe he told them knowing it would be written down and knowing that it would be passed on to you and that we would be able to hear it today. He says this. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. I have told you these things so that you may have peace. Well, what are you talking about, Jesus? When they come on, I don't feel very peaceful. Jesus is saying, I'm telling you this because I'm giving it to you as a spoiler alert. I want you to expect it. I want you to know it's coming. As much as the disciples and the apostles grieved and were concerned, they really shouldn't have because Jesus spoiled the end of the movie for them. And Jesus has spoiled it for you and I as well. He says, take heart. He says, I've got this. I'm with you. You will have a time of grief. Absolutely. That's okay. But know that a day of joy is coming and no one will be able to take it away from you. You and I, I don't know what your theology taught you or what your church growing up or what your parents told you, but you need to expect bad days. You need to expect years like 2020. You need to experience, you need to know troubles at work are coming. Troubles in your marriage are coming. They're on their way. That's not being a Debbie Downer. That's just life. 
And Jesus says, I've told you these things so that you can have peace. So that when they come, you don't go, well, where did that come from? I didn't know that was going to happen. No, so that you look at those things and go, yeah, we knew this day would come. I'm ready for it. Yeah, I knew. I knew there would be troubles in my marriage. I knew this would get hard. I knew my job would get difficult. I knew parenting wouldn't always be easy. I knew this was coming, and I'm ready for it. He says, I want to tell you this so that you can have peace. And then he tells them something that many of us, we, we, we remembered in our heart. We've edged it in our heart. We remember this. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. I'm promising you this. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You know what Jesus was promising in that moment? He wasn't promising the end of bad days. He wasn't promising any favor or a special club. What he was promising and what he was telling them was this. He was telling them, I want you to know, I have overcome it and I will help you overcome it too. You are not alone in this. I overcame it and you will overcome it too. And I will be with you all along the way. So two, two things I want you to take away with you today. Two application things that I want you to remember, that I want you to write down, that I want you to live out in your life. When we have bad days, when we go through trials, when we go through seasons like this, two very important things happen. The first thing is this. Remember that adversity authenticates faith. Adversity authenticates faith. Peter knew this better than anybody. Peter was a screw-up. Peter never got it right. He was a bad student in teacher's class. He never, he never got it right. Every trial, everything, man, he kept slipping up, but Jesus kept using him anyway. Jesus kept doing these things with him. Jesus kept coming back to him. And you know what? Peter, he, he writes this down when he writes down his letter that we hold dearly in the New, New Testament. He, he says this, and he kind of shares his testimony. He, he says, in all of this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials, all kinds of trials, all, all of them look different. Everybody, to, you know, everybody has different bad days. He goes, you go through these things, right? And then he says this. He says, but these have come so that. Remember, we've talked about this before. When the Bible says so that, it's saying here's the reason for them. Here's the purpose for them. And Peter, he's trying to tell us, I, I want you to know that this didn't happen on purpose, but Jesus can give it purpose, all right? This didn't happen on purpose, but Jesus can give it purpose. And this has happened so that, you, so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. He says these trials, these things that you go through, they are there. They can be used to prove the genuineness, the authenticity of your faith. I love how the message paraphrases this. Eugene, uh, Eugene Peterson, he wrote this in his paraphrase, the message. He says, when, Je when Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. You, you know what Jesus doesn't have on display? If Jesus had a trophy case... You know what Jesus doesn't have on display? All the times you did everything right when things were easy. All the times that you were generous when you had plenty. 
All the times when you served because you felt like it, because you were passionate about it, or because you had the time. All the times where, where you, you, you went to church, or you sang the songs, or you prayed the prayers, or you read the Bible because it, it was convenient for you, because it felt good for you, because you got something good out of it. All the times you loved your spouse because they loved you first. All the times you loved your kids because they were so well behaved. All the times that you had respect and honor at work because everybody honored and respected you. That's not the times that Jesus has on display in his trophy case. You know what the times that Jesus has displayed in his trophy case all the times where nobody else wanted to do it but you did it anyway all the times where nobody felt like it but you were still obedient all the times where you didn't have enough but you still gave all you could all the times where you didn't feel like it but you did it because you wanted to because you wanted to show that you loved your neighbor in the same way that you loved Christ your savior those are the times where Jesus goes that's my boy that's right that's where he's proud of you. All the times where you were given adversity and struggles and barriers were put in your way and you just started flipping through them like they were not in your way. Those are the times where Jesus goes, see, I told you it was real. I told you it was legit. I told you they could do it. Those are the times that prove the genuineness of our faith. When things get tough, but you get tougher. And you don't lose your faith. And then, the second thing is this. The second thing to remember is that problems prepare you for purpose. Problems prepare you for purpose. Comfort never made anybody strong. You know that? Comfort never made anybody strong. If you go to the gym, there are literally resistance tools everywhere. That's what they're called. Resistance tools. Okay? They weigh Weight. They have resistance. They are meant to be a force that is difficult for you to move. They are meant to be a force that will resist where you want to go. And the way that you get stronger is through repetition, is time over time of pushing that resistance away, of pressing that resistance away, of pulling that resistance to you. I coach CrossFit at CrossFit 70, and I told my, my athletes this week, one of my little nuggets that I wrote them uh, on our Facebook page, is I said, don't think about lifting the weight, master the weight. Anybody can lift weight. Anybody can make it budge or make it move. But if you don't do it, if you don't master it, if you don't learn to control it, if you don't learn to make it do for you what you want it to do, then it will always master you. So don't just come in and lift the weight. Master the weight. Master the resistance. Control it. And you and I, we have things all around us that are pushing us and pulling us and causing resistance in our lives. And many times we go, I don't like that. I wish it would go away. I wish my life was okay. Will someone take care of me? No, no one's going to take care of you, okay? You better grow up. Put your big boy pants on and start moving the weight. Start pushing back. Start standing up for yourself. Start pushing, start pressing, start pulling. Start getting in there and you look at that thing that's up against you. You look at that resistance and go, you're not crushing me. I'm going to use you to get stronger. You just welcome to Michael Davis's weight room. I'm about to take you on a trip. And I'm going to get buffed through this. I'm going to be a mean mamma jamma by the end of this. You watch me. I'm going to take this and I'm going to make this work for me. Is that not what we did with Affordable Christmas Shop? Is that not what we did with Trunk or Treat? Is that not what we did with COVID? 
Let's say, I'm here to make you a mess. I'm going to say, well, I'm about to mess you up, COVID, because I'm going to use you. I'm going to get jacked on you. That's what I'm going to do, because you're not going to crush me. I'm about to crush you, and I'm going to master this. I'm, I'm going to make, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to master you. It's going to be bad, all right? That's what we do. We take these things on, and we make them work for us. Look, troubles are not your enemy. They are your equipment. Say that with me. Ready? Troubles are not your enemy. They are your equipment. It's time to get to work. It's time to take those troubles and use them like your own personal soul gem and go to work. James, the brother of Jesus, he understood this. He understood this very, very well. He says this. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Pure joy. He goes, get excited. Get excited. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. He says, man, when you come into trials, get excited. Woo! We're about to go to work. That's what's going to happen. Good. I've been feeling a little low. I've been feeling a little wimpy. I've been feeling a little fat. My faith needs to get jacked. All right, here we go. We're going to go on the attack, all right? I'm going to consider this pure joy, and I'm going to take this, and I'm going to master it. I'm going to make it my slave. That's what I'm going to do. Many trials of any kinds, I'm going to use it to produce perseverance. And he says, let perseverance finish its work. This is so very important. Understand this. Some of us, some of you, all right, I'm not calling anybody out, who likes to go to the gym like once a month, right? You like, you like go to the gym like once a month, right? Some of you, you'll be there in January. I know who you are. You'll be at, yeah, you'll be at, you'll be at Planet Fitness. I know who you are. It's okay. It's because they got pizza there, right? You'll be at Planet Fitness, and you'll work out a little. You'll work out, and you'll go, whoo, I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to go eat a cake now. I'm going to go. I'm going to get some pie. That's what I'm going to go do, right? That's not enough. James, he says, that's not enough. Don't leave. We're not done yet. We're not done. You've got to stay in it. So many of us, we want it to go away. So many of us, we want COVID. Go away. Go, go away, COVID. I can't take it anymore. It's been nine months, people. It ain't been that long. You guys ever heard of anything called the Great Depression? Okay? That lasted a while. All right? Let perseverance finish its work. Let's use this. He says you've got to let it finish your work because when you do, when you do, you will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Does anybody want to be mature? Does anybody want to be complete? You know, anybody want to be not lacking anything? James says when you stay in there and you use that trial for yourself, when you use that, you can make yourself stronger. You can use it to your advantage. He says that's what we're here for. You know, if you look at anybody interesting, anybody worth mentioning in the Bible, what you'll see is before they were a hero, they went through several other encounters that were much smaller than what made them a hero. If you look at heroes of the Bible, people we still talk about today, you know, before David defeated Goliath, he fought a lion and a bear. If you look about Joseph, Joseph, before he saved a nation, he was rejected, he was enslaved, and he was falsely accused. You look at somebody like Peter who preached at Pentecost and became this fabulous, wonderful preacher, probably the most, most wonderful preacher of the New Testament. 
When you look at Peter, you look at so many failed attempts, so many times where he denied Christ, where he screwed up, where he didn't get the lesson. We see these heroes of faith before they were ever heroes. They were people who went through trials and used them to prepare them for the purpose that God had planned for them. And that's what God is calling us to do today. To take our problems and use them to prepare us for purpose in life. The Israelites, they got it so wrong. The Israelites, what they thought Jesus was doing. They thought Jesus came to end the bad days. But they were far, far, far from the truth. The truth is that Jesus came to help us persevere. He didn't come to end the bad days. He came to show us and help us persevere. He came to help us have victory. He came to help us push forward. He, he, he came to help us. He came to not eliminate the resistance, but to show us how to push the resistance back, how to use it to grow stronger, how to use it for the glory of God. And he said to them, and he said to us today, I have overcome it. I have mastered the weight. And I will help you overcome it too. I will help you master the weight to the point where you are complete, you are mature, and you are not lacking anything. I've had a lot of people say, I've seen a lot of people say, 2020 is the worst year ever. 2020 sucks. 2020 can go away already. I don't believe that. And I haven't said that. I'm in meetings where it said, I'm at tables where it said, I'm at houses where it said, 2020 does not have to suck. 2020 does not have to be the worst year ever. And I've got news for you. 2020 probably won't be the worst year you have ever. There are worst years ahead. But you know what 2020 can be with the Lord's help and only through the Lord's help? 2020 doesn't have to be the worst year ever. 2020 can be the year of growth. 2020 can be the year where you put that muscle on, that faith muscle. 2020 can be the year where you matured a little bit, where you grew up, where you became a little bit more like Jesus. I look around this room knowing the stories that only I know probably. And I look at people who have grown in their marriage and grown closer together. I look at people who found our church, who left a, a, a terrible experience and who found our church and whose passion and whose heart and whose purpose was revived and set on fire and came here to help us reach other people for Christ. I see people who have grown closer together with their kids. I see Kids and teenagers who have become equipped to handle things that, and, and go through fires that you and I never went through. I see opportunity in front of us. I look at church and I look at, our, I look at how we've grown. I look at how our ministry has grown. I look at what we did with the affordable Christmas shop. We didn't just survive the affordable Christmas shop. As soon as COVID happened, I started getting emails. Well, I guess we can't do trunk or treat. I guess we can't do daddy-daughter dance. I guess we can't do affordable Christmas shop. I guess everything's canceled. And I said, are you joking me? This is going to be the best year 
ever, and it was. We didn't just survive during COVID, we thrived during COVID. We've had the most purposeful, most intentional, most best planned and organized affordable Christmas shop that we've ever had before. And we never would have got there unless we had ourselves pushed into a corner where COVID said, what you gonna do now? And we said, I'm pushing back. I've got faith. I know who my God is, and he's overcome the world, and he's going to overcome you too, and I'm on the hunt. So don't mess with me, because 2020 is not the worst year ever. This is the year where we grow. This is the year where my faith changes. This is the year where I walk out of here a little bit more like Christ. That can happen in your life. That can happen with the help of Jesus through a relationship with Jesus and turning to him. That is what we get in us. The perseverance is produced in us. But without Christ, it's something you cannot persevere yourself. Don't we want that for our own life? Don't we want to see that happen? I wish every church this would happen. I wish this would happen in our community. I wish it would happen in our schools. I wish so badly and I pray so badly that it would happen in the leadership that is around us because it's needed right now. But see, that's the problem. In so many places around us, they don't have a Savior who can bring that out in them. They don't have a Lord who can transform them from the inside out like we do. But we have this awesome opportunity in front of us to let God do something new. Because the bad days are not going away, people. The bad days are still going to be here. But don't be troubled with your troubles. Because the good news is that your faith is your proving ground. Your faith is your opportunity. And in these moments, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, can make the darkness tremble. In these moments, he can make our fears go away. He can silence them. So grieve and feel your feelings. But don't stay there long. Because in front of you is an opportunity to grow in your faith. I'm going to invite the band to come up and we're going to sing a song that speaks so true to this. But while they come up, I want you to just bow your, bow your heads with me and pray. Because there's a lot of us in this room who have been through a lot of troubles this year. Who have been put in a lot of circumstances that are unique and painful. People who are watching online because of a situation that they're in that's unique and painful. But as we pray to our Father, God, just as it says in Hebrews, we are travelers and we are nomads. We are on this earth for a short time. And God, we believe, we believe We believe that with you, who has overcome the world, we can also overcome it too. God, we believe we have faith that you are with us, that even in the midst of our time of grief, there will be a time of joy, that this is only a season. And it may be a season that ends here on this earth. It may be a season that ends when we meet you in heaven. 
But God, I believe and I have faith that when we see you, what you will have on display, what you'll be most proud of, when you say, well done, my good and faithful servant, what you will be referring to are the days when I had troubles, where I had adversity, where I had resistance. But you helped me push back. You helped me overcome. Where I was obedient, where I was still generous, where I still served, where I was still passion-filled and purpose-filled, where I still showed grace, where I still showed mercy. Those are the times, God, where I relied on you even more heavily, where I just had nothing else but you. And when I called your name and I heard nothing, I still persevered and I still pushed on and I still held on to you, Lord. And Lord, I pray that in those moments, that as I'm walking through those valleys with you, that you would be my shepherd, that you would be my guide, that you would be my Lord, that you would help me to persevere, that my faith would be authenticated and it would be revealed to you and to the world, that it is true that I follow you, that it is true that I love you, that this goes far beyond my convenience or my pleasure, but it's because I have put my faith in you. God, would that become real? Would that become true in my life? Would you do in me the work that needs to be done to mature me and complete me, Lord? We call on your name. And as we sing, Lord, would you, would you transform us? Would you hear our hearts? Would you hear our words? And would they be like a prayer to you, Lord? In your name we pray, amen. If you would like to support Anchor Hope, make a donation at anchoredhope.church forward slash give. To connect with someone from Anchor Hope, please go to anchoredhope.church forward slash high. Thank you for listening and God bless.